Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today with episode 197 of the Ham Radio Podcast. And it's me, Carrick, with ACG. All right, here we go. We got a week of Assassin's Creed, Sekiro discussions, Persona on the Switch, Rage 2 Cheat Codes, Borderland Game of the Year discussion, and maybe a little Outer Worlds, if time permits that. But anyway, welcome to the Ham Radio Podcast. We hope you all enjoy your time. If you enjoy this show at all throughout your duration, you're like, you know what? I want to help these kind folks out. They seem like nice guys. We are nice guys, first of all. But second of all, you can go down below, and there are links to both mine and Carrick's Patreon. If you join mine, you'll get early access to this podcast. Uh, it comes out on Fridays for early access. It comes out for free. If you choose to opt out, that's totally fine. Um, you can listen on Sundays at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But if you join the Patreon, uh, you also get access to the Discord at the cheapest option, and you can join in some really exciting discussions, and it's pretty, pretty active. Last night i think it was we were talking about vr because i'm looking to get into vr so it was like one of the most perfectly timed conversations because i was just talking to one of my twitch mods treks about how i i really want to maybe get the psvr or i'm kind of on the fence with the oculus um because i don't want to go all in on it but semi in and, and just test the water so uh you know if you want those types of conversations and, and people who are very informed and helpful and kind then our Discord is the place to be. Carrick also has a fantastic one, along with many other perks on his Patreon. But anyway, now that we're done trying to convince you to support our shows, let's get into what is a jam-packed week. Starting off with the latest <laughs> and the annual Assassin's Creed rumor. This time, it's Assassin's Creed Ragnarok dropping in 2020, apparently. Uh, this information comes from PCGamesN.com. Uh, this was via a Easter egg in the Division 2 that seemed to suggest the next Assassin's Creed will have a Nordic theme. Uh, now a fresh insider report has confirmed exactly that. The next Assassin's Creed game is currently codenamed Kingdom and is expected to launch in 2020 and will indeed be about Vikings. Uh, that report came courtesy of Jason Schreier, who says he received confirmation of the game setting from two to independent sources uh, months ahead of the teaser's inclusion in the Division 2. Ubisoft said there will be no new Assassin's Creed in 2019, so you should obviously expect it for 2020, as I've emphasized here. Um, the Kotaku report also mentions a London setting for Watch Dogs 3 coming this year, which will be revealed at E3. Um, if you missed the Division 2 teaser, a forum post on the Assassin's Creed website shows a character looking at a post of a cloaked man wearing a helmet and some sort of tunic. In his left hand, he's holding some kind of spear or staff, and in another, a mysterious sphere. The legible text on the on the poster points to the JFK Center, and the word above reads in Valhalla, which is referencing the Viking afterlife. Now, Assassin's Creed YouTuber Your Raptor points toward a extra detail. Zooming in on that mysterious sphere shows off something that looks an awful lot like an Apple of Eden, which is a type of mythological artifact important to the stories of multiple Assassin's Creed games. And then also last year, we had uh, concept art come out that when you went to go save the file, it would be labeled Assassin's Creed Ragnarok, which is just a sick name. So 
Uh, Carrick, what do you feel after we both really enjoyed Assassin's Creed Odyssey? I think Origins was the start of heading the series in the right direction. Odyssey really got things on the right path. And now people are ready to love Assassin's Creed again. So do you get excited at the idea of a 2020 Assassin's Creed focused on Vikings? Yeah, I, I also think this makes sense when you look at the, some of the changes Odyssey put into place. That it actually makes more sense for perhaps them to do a Viking one and then maybe on the next generation machines. And the current ones, of course, because they'll be backwards compatible, but um, going with you know a Japanese one or something like that. I think right oh, now with all God. the Japanese-based <laughs> games, you have a little bit of too many in that er area, and I think a Viking one makes more sense. But when you look at Odyssey, you look at Origins, Odyssey, if you just start looking at it and step away from it, the idea of like removing the Odyssey character and throwing a Viking actually works. Like if you look at the way it plays, a little bit of the way the style of the combat, the even the world itself with more trees, the idea that maybe you own a boat and like Syndicate where your train was a base, now your boat is a base or something mm -hmm. like that, and you're constantly like going in and, and trying to um, pillage and shit like that. I think it could be awesome. We also saw that. So the day Division came out, somebody had posted that in our Discord, the picture. Um, might have been the day, day after. It certainly looked to us like an apple, but nobody, or like the Eden apple that you get in um, Assassin's Creed. Right. But it is, the only real issue I would say is that it, it is a little um, blurry. But I would, I would say overall there's enough hints that I think this ties into the way Watch Dogs 2 had the space game. Because remember, Watch Dogs 2 had the trailer of the space game. Mm -hmm. They had posters of the space game. And then Ubisoft later admitted that was absolutely real. And they just unfortunately couldn't get things to come together and couldn't continue making that game. So right. I think that this is not the first time nor the last time, obviously, this will happen. I think, mm -hmm. I think it all makes sense. I like yeah. it better they, this yeah, way love instead it. of the typical uh, Kotaku reports, new Assassin's Creed game this year, here's the details type of thing. Yeah. I like the idea of them just throwing teasers in their game, like, hey, it's going to get leaked anyway. Um, yep. You know, I'm looking at the teaser image right now, and I, I think it's got to definitely be Assassin's Creed, just because not only the, the Eden, or Apple of Eden thing, but rather uh, the color scheme they chose for the garb that the character yeah. in the poster is donning, which is a red and white outfit. Yeah, very, very Assassin's Creed-esque. Yes, incredibly yeah. so. Uh, very Spears fitting. also remember yes. Spears were finally allowed in Odyssey and yes. that like one of their main awesome. weapons axes and spears uh, for Vikings I could see that being a yeah a and deal. I know it's it's very specific to Spartans but I feel like you know the heaviness and the almost arcade mm -hmm. na like nature of the Spartan kick in the game um, those type of brutal heavy poof, like pounding yeah. moves very much fit the Viking theme where I feel like um, some asset sharing between these two titles, which is very common in games, uh, could, could be a little more easy for Ubisoft's development team shifting over to this, but yet still feeling very drastic because we're, I mean, we're talking Spartans versus Vikings, two completely yeah. different timelines um, and different fighting styles and different worlds to explore. Um, but yet they, they can share a likeness and an identity in a sense that I think people can really get behind. Also, remember that in Odyssey, you could hire your own boatmen and change what they look like. Mm -hmm. I mean, it all seems, like I said, the more I saw about the Viking thing, the more I thought it was real, just for the simple fact that like a lot of the stuff that goes on in Odyssey feels like they were testing it for later. Like yeah. they were like, oh yeah, we can. You, you can hire old people from other games to be on your ship. You can dress them up in different clothing mm -hmm. and have them. You can have like the females singing the 
the chants in a female voices on your boat, and then you could get the males, then you could get like the fucking scoundrels, and they all did different sea sh- shanties, and it seemed like it was a little bit of a test to sort of see what people cared about. Like, will you care about a team on your boat? Because yeah. if you do, then here's a game where your base is your boat, which it's could also be really awesome. A time period that's very uh, untouched. You know, I, I think of yeah. Two games. There's only three or four games I know yeah, of. I think of the Banner Saga that has Viking-styled characters, um, and then Vikings Battle for Asgard, which came out on the PS3 yep. as like a launch title. And I actually really yeah. liked that game. Xbox PS3 was awesome. Also, yeah. one of the few games where when you beat it, you thought you beat it, and there was yeah. an entire other island. Yep. You beat it, and you're like, I'm done, and it's like, oh, no, this is just Island 1. You still have mm-hmm. the second island, and you're like, oh, my God. That was yeah, a great game, man. I'm, I'm glad yeah. someone else gets that. I I don't think I know oh, I anyone it. else who's played it. Yeah, it, for for back then that was a that was a fantastic game. If you're in the mood yep. for a good Viking adventure, that's one. But uh, those are the only two that come to my mind where I feel like having a major AAA game set in a Viking world uh, could could make for something special and and start up a new trend. Right, like you were just hinting at the idea of it's very common to see these Japanese focus games as of lately. And now it's become a trend, and it's a lot more accessible for folks. And I think maybe Ubisoft could be starting something up here where yeah, um, right. I'd, I'd like to see more Viking-styled games. I, I think it's a unexplored setting. Um, but despite the popularity of, of Japanese-themed games, God, does Assassin's Creed need to go to Japan. Feudal Japan. They need to do it. Like, it, it's such a good fucking fit. I don't know why they haven't done it yet. It blows my mind. But, maybe uh, they just feel like... I mean, it depends on how fanciful you want to make it. But I, I, if they don't want to make it fanciful and they want to make it realistic, maybe mm-hmm. they're just waiting until their technology catches up, which is why I was saying there might be two Assassin's Creed games, like usual, being built. And the first one we'll see as Vikings, and the second one we'll see as a Japanese one once mm-hmm. they have, like, the next step yeah, up in graphics like technology. Yeah, like rogue situation. Yeah, yeah, where you, like, you look at it and you go, we want to do huge forests and all this crazy shit, but we don't want it to be Assassin's Creed 3, which looked like shit. So it's like, what do we do? And <laughs> yeah. then maybe they just looked at it and they're like, you know what? We already know some games that are, you know, Japanese-inspired are coming out. Let's hold off on that one and do the Viking one. I, I also feel like it's just might just be luck on their side with the Viking one, because Odyssey really does feel like they were planning on a Viking game. Like, it when does. you play Odyssey, there is something about it where you, when when you realize there might be a Viking game, you're like, oh, I get it. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's just... just something with the some... way the combat animations are yeah. and, and the and the focus on the boat. Uh, yeah, yeah there's there's, a, there's multiple things. perfectly into a yep. Viking game. Yep. It really fits well. Um, but I personally think Aztec, uh, we talked about this in our podcast, mm-hmm. Aztecs would be an amazing, unexplored, like Apocalyptica Assassin's Creed. Like cool. that would be a completely unexplored world. Vikings is unexplored. Japanese is sadly explored, but you know what else isn't? Except for the Dynasty Warriors games is China. So you have yeah. China, which you could explore too. So you do have some alternating timelines, I think, that you could jump to that might be interesting just as a... No one else is doing this kind of thing, too, if it's not Japanese. What's awesome about Assassin's Creed is someone who, I I like history, but I'm not going to act like a history buff, is, you know, because that's their job, right? But um, they always find a place in in time that I go, oh, man, I'd never thought of that, but damn, does that sound cool. Even games that I wasn't a huge fan of in this series like syndicate you know i I was like all right like this is this is a part of the of history i can i can get into and i can see why this makes this game feel unique so um the only thing i guess that would worry me a bit is 
because the identities of both Vikings and Spartans can be shared so similarly, then maybe that could lead to a bit of an identity crisis for Vikings if it feels too similar to Odyssey. Do you think they're going to continue the RPG elements and have a female male protagonist again, voiced, choice and consequence again? Because that was a big selling point for Odyssey, and the game really, I thought, thrived off of it, and I think they, they did an excellent job. I would be surprised if they didn't continue it, um, but I'd like to I would say it also makes more historical, well, not even historical accuracy because, you know, there were female warriors, but with Vikings in particular, there were, and so, like, the idea of them reversing that now seems alien. Like, I just don't see them saying, okay, we're not going to do that now. In fact, I see it being sort of a cool, I mean, remembering that Vikings as pillagers, if that's what you play, the entire theme of the game will feel different mm. because that's not what you've ever been in the other Assassin's Creed. So the idea of like female male protagonist pillagers to me is awesome. I would rather have them have two than one. So I like the idea of, 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 of them allowing that. And the RPG stuff is going to stick forever. I don't see the RPG should. stuff ever they going really away. Should. They did such an excellent job. I thought with Odyssey and, you know, there were times where, like, the choice was very much an illusion. Arbitrary. But, yeah, yeah. Th- but in, in Odyssey, they did nail some moments. I was like, oh, shit. Uh, one of them, I, I call it the E3 demo. Uh, it was the island you were on with that girl. That was, like, a yeah. self-contained story area that had, like, really good choice and consequence. It was, it was fucking awesome. Probably one of the major points that stuck with me in that game. I was just looking up sales numbers, and actually... Um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey's launch week se- or uh, yeah Odyssey sorry it's launch week sales beat Origins um, and then according to video game charts on January 23rd Odyssey sold an estimated 1.4 million units in that first week so the game went off to a really strong start um, I don't see any lifetime sales but point being is that uh, people are really behind that movement for assassin's creed and i don't imagine they they just shift back all of a sudden um yeah that, that seems like it would be quite a bit of a regression um it says it actually set a sales record for current generation of franchise wow so yeah odyssey was a tremendous success yeah and they did there was another metric about concurrent players one time for odyssey over origins or any other game and it was it was very impressive yeah, so good for Ubisoft. I think that's a success well-deserved, and, and I'm glad to see more is on the way, and that they, even though it was an immense success, they continue to take their time with it, which is what I yeah. think let this series truly bounce back. I do apologize for those who are listening and hear me clicking around, but it lets us get access to some additional information that we'd be trying to pull out of our asses otherwise. Anyway, let's head on over to our next big discussion here this has been eating up most of people's weeks in twitter and youtube a huge discussion is going on since the launch of sekiro about difficulty and uh, pretty much we don't have news to go off of with that like we normally do with our our uh, topics but we just merely want to discuss okay here are our thoughts on sekiro and difficulty modes so Pretty much for those who have not caught up with what's been happening, um, obviously, as a FromSoft game, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice is incredibly difficult. Um, I've played a few hours of it, and I'll explain afterwards why I stopped playing it. Um, Carrick, I know you beat and reviewed it. Um, So we have two different perspectives on that. But like I said, a lot of people want to be able to access this game, and now a discussion has happened where people are talking about should FromSoft games include 
a, a difficulty meter of some kind, whether you're moving easy, hard, normal, or, or a slider, or tweaking AI controls, all that stuff. So we're going to get into that today, and a lot of this has been perpetuated by uh, disabilities, too. People with, with disabilities who want to access these games but can't because there is not a difficulty slider. So, Carrick, let's hear your thoughts first. You know, we talked about this a little bit off uh, the microphone. What do you genuinely feel about Sekiro, its difficulty, and, and games that are, I'd say, designed to be quite difficult, having a lack of a difficulty slider, and people's arguments about accessibility for those games? Where do you generally stand on the spectrum for this? We'll start off with that. Um, so I stand that I like options. That's mm-hmm. the number one thing. So I think the better, uh, the more options, uh, the better. I'm certainly not going to tell a developer they can't adjust their game and what they want or create a game. Demanding it afterwards, that's a little weird because you've already stated, hey, this is what it's going to be. It's not going to have this. It's not going to have that. And with with all other games, this kind of stuff comes up, and most of the time it's overlooked. I think with Sekiro, this comes up. It makes sense, but it also depends on how you're arguing the point. I argue it from the basis of the language itself, accessibility. I talked about this with you prior to the podcast, meaning to gain access to. Um, there isn't really a setting that would stop somebody from gaining access to the game. So is it accessible, accessible now? Yes, because the buttons that you would press to get you into the game, they're there. Colorblindness settings, those kind of things are, are sort of what people normally associate like accessibility with where difficulty is not the same thing as accessibility. Now, this is something that like, even some of the Twitch streamers who are um, differently able in all different ways have all kinds of different things, um, have all actually sort of stated, which is odd to me because I did an investigation on this myself as well, and they were like, no, 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 what, it's not the same thing. Accessibility is not the same thing as difficulty. So I don't know who's saying it is, like if it's people who have a family member who are, mm-hmm. and they see their difficulty, right? Or if it is a person who is. I see some people say that they have a disability and they're finding it difficult. Um, the biggest problem I have with this is that um, a lot of people forget that difficulty, a slider, will never go so low that anybody can gain access. So when two people who are differently abled for different reasons discuss difficulty, they are also discussing different levels of difficulty. So, for example, do you have a YouTube mode? where you press A and the game starts and plays for you. Because some people are differently abled enough and have, have enough issues that can't, they can't play a game. So how far down do you go on the, on the scale? Because Dark Souls and all these games have gone super high on the scale. They've made it so people like myself have an insanely difficult time, right? So that means a lot of other people are going to have a difficult time. But you have to wonder how low do you want to set the bar of difficulty before you are in just YouTube mode, where you're watching the cutscenes and you're not really doing anything. Um, I talked to, because uh, I've done um, accessibility uh, reviews and uh, coverage on the channel, and we did some videos on the controller. The people I talked to, none of them cared about the difficulty. That is not a huge group of people that I talked to, 10 at the most. They, were all, they all had different disabilities, and they, none of them thought that holding the button was difficult because... A lot of people think that holding the button or, or that something in Sekiro makes it inherently quick twitch, which I don't actually find occurs in Sekiro. In Sekiro, to me, a lot of it's holding your block button. I was going to say, it's and, very parry-based. Yeah, and so there's some issues there. Movement certainly is important. But um, 
I don't know, dude. I, I sometimes I get a little confused on how far do you want to go because if I got a thousand people who have different levels of ability, they would all also want different levels of difficulty. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know how From could win right now. Right. What I mean by that is, let's say they do make an easy. I can guarantee you there will still be others who want it easier. And so at what yeah. point they could quite easily say easy mode and then turn your health up, right? And their health down, but if your particular disability affects something that that really doesn't help you, then mm-hmm. you're fucked, right? Like color blindness. When that's missing, mm-hmm. that's a that's accessibility. Like especially if like an icon is there and you can't see it, so you see like Far Cry is very smart. They'll be like you can choose like the six. Destiny was probably one of the first games I saw this. We choose like five or six versions of color blindness. It was it was really cool. Yeah. So I like the idea. I just don't know how much we demand from a developer. How low do you want, or how low do you want or require from the person as, as when it comes to inputs? Do you want to go? Mm-hmm. Do you want to go to where you just hit start and it plays? Because there are people that have those disabilities, and I think that I can't say that one person's disability matters in somebody more than somebody else's. And so I don't think From can win. I, do, I what I mean is, I if there was an easy mode. I have this weird feeling their easy mode would still be harder than most people's hard mode, which this yeah. discussion would be happening anyway. Right. And it's happening between even like people like you and I, who luckily enough, we're not having these kind of issues, but we're having other issues with it because it's a difficult game. So we'd be having these discussions mm-hmm. regardless, I think, even if they had something called easy mode. I mean, I don't know. That's yeah, that's that's where I sit in the terms of I feel the discussions happening no matter what, because let's say they do. I I actually had not thought of this, but I'm going to add this because I've thought about this like all week. You know, I've been reading the discussions. I've been listening to podcasts because I think in a a sense, it's a very delicate topic when you start adding in disabilities and and adjusting for those people, um, because I think they're, you know, folks often don't consider that the the disabled gamers for, you know, and we're seeing support like from Microsoft with with the adaptive controller. Um but I just, <clears throat> I guess where I stand on it so far is, for starters, I'll say I think that when it comes to difficulties in games, and especially a title like Sekiro, I think accessibility uh, for those who, who might be disabled out there, um, I, I feel it becomes a gaming problem at that sense. I feel that uh, gaming in general has to become more accessible and offer more tools that help folks out. But I also think there are things that developers can do on their end, in all fairness. And the reason I say that is because, for example, when I was watching the PAX East panel for uh, The Outer Worlds, uh, Tim Kaine had actually said that they tested the whole game in grayscale multiple times to make sure folks who were colorblind uh, would be okay playing the game because there was nothing that was identified by color. It's a very colorful world, which is kind of strange, and it all looks great together. Like when they showed off Byzantium, it looks fantastic. But he said that nothing there was identified by color, and that was something very important to them. So I think there's things like that that developers can do and still, as you can tell by the Outer Worlds, make a game look colorful and pop quite a bit. Um, But when it comes to actual difficulty, um, I think there comes a point, and and it's a very old saying, very, very old, from like the beginning of time, that you you can't please everybody. Um, and, And so there is a fine line, a balance that should be struck. And I think everybody in this argument, what makes it so tough is everyone makes good points. I think... Disabled gamers make great points. I think the people speaking for the developers talking about, hey, there's a vision here. I think they make great points. I think the people who um, are trying to find a balance of, of difficulty where they're like, maybe add an easy mode, maybe maybe add a hard mode too. 
um, so that the get-gooders out there can play on hard and, and the people who maybe aren't as good can play on easy um, and, and everyone can feel that equal level of satisfaction. I think every argument in it makes sense, which inherently makes it a very difficult discussion to tackle because there's not really one right side where you can factually line things up, especially when it's very opinion-driven and also experience-based. You know, like Carrick said, there are all different types of disabilities, so we don't know if someone suffering from muscle spasms uh, would struggle as as much as someone with uh, color blindness. You know, these these are all different disabilities, and, and people struggle with them for different reasons, especially in a game like this. Um, so... I sit on the side of the fence of if you're starting the game, you know, let's say they're at the table at FromSoft, they're concepting this game, this type of accessibility option, difficulty changes, probably should be there from the get-go because then it's a part of the design. I feel like when it gets slapped on, uh, that's where it becomes frustrating. Not that it shouldn't be in there. I want folks to hear me loud and clear on that because let's say they we have easy mode DLC for Sekiro. Let's just say this is something that happens, which sounds kind of crazy to say, but let's say it it actually does happen. It's a free update. And they decide, let's lower the health count or let's make it really easy to take down these bosses, like four hits and they're done. Let's make them attack way less frequently. I think then that strips away some of the satisfaction that someone who was less able to, to play this game could actually have felt. And I'm not saying that in the sense that you got to play it like how I play it or you suck. No, I'm, that's not what I'm getting at at all. I just think there has to be a design philosophy behind that easy mode to make it equally as satisfying for someone who struggles a bit more with games and can still feel good overcoming it. Obviously, you know, for example, maybe someone with older age. I know it's under the disability category, but your reflexes slow down. So you maybe want to lower the difficulty to that easy because... You see things happening. I, I even get this, and I'm 23. You see something happening on screen. You know what to do, but your brain's just not like, it's not quick enough. Like, you just don't react fast enough, and boom, you're dead. Um, and some people, as you get older, you struggle with that more and more. And would it be nice to have an easier difficulty that maybe same attacks, but it toned down the frequency of them. It toned down the aggression of the AI. I think stuff like that that gets baked into the game from the start that, you know, has a direction can really help from soft in this situation where i think yeah th- there is a way to make uh, a game from from soft that does have these options i just think it has to be there from the start i think now slapping it in afterwards it'll be a knee-jerk reaction it'll be half-assed and i think that what we'll get is more disappointed people and i don't think that gamers on the disabled side or gamers who maybe aren't as skilled deserve that i think they deserved you know as much thought and and effort put into the difficulty as those who who currently play Sekiro in its current form. Um, I get why everyone wants to play, um, but I also do understand the other artistic argument uh, because, for example, with a movie, you can always sit down and throw in a disc, you can watch a movie. Um, Same thing with music. I can go go listen to to Japanese rap right now if I want to. I study a language of fuck if I know what they're saying. I could listen to it, though, right? And I could get some enjoyment out of just the beats from it, maybe, or the the, the rhythm of the, the song. Um, but with video games, it's a little different because there's so many types, you know, some people aren't as good at shooters or aren't as good at fighting games and, uh, you know, Sekiro, whatever you want to call that type of game, you know, it's, it's gradually turned into what's called the Soulsborne genre, but, uh, now you add Sekiro into that mix, what do you call it? But I digress. Um, and, and because of that, there's people who are maybe more proficient or enjoy different style of games. Um, there are people who 
who don't like sports games at all. Uh, you know, and, and I don't know if those people don't like it because of difficulty or accessibility or whatever. But um, point being is is gaming is a different type of entertainment where, where there's more preference. And since there's hands-on, um, it's not, I feel, in its inherent nature as accessible off the bat because of design direction by these companies. I, I remember when I was a kid, man, I used to want to love Midway games so much. But they were so fucking hard. And I struggled immensely with them because I just I didn't get it I was so terrible um and it just wasn't accessible for someone my age when I got a little bit older I think I was like 12 I started playing them again and it just I got it so uh I don't want to get off track with it though that that's kind of my my general thoughts on it like I said I've taken a lot of time to develop them and make sure I'm not being a douche to anyone or or putting anyone off or acting inconsiderate. I just wanted to kind of lay it all out for those of you out there um, and make sure that um, I feel everyone can be addressed in this situation. It just takes a lot more thought and care rather than throwing an easy mode. I think I think that's that's putting a you know what do they say putting duct tape on a on a giant leak or whatever. There's an actual term for it, but obviously I don't know what it is. But that's where I stand on it. I've rambled a lot, Carrick. Anything that you want to tack on to, to what I've said there? No, I mean I would agree. I uh I I did have a odd discussion where three different people had the same illness um mm. and yet their abilities were drastically different and that I that was pretty much the first day where this conversation came up. Um it was prior to Sekiro, but it was with the adaptive controller. Okay. And they were like, the reason why the adaptive controller at the back has like 10 inputs is because that's quite literally how many some of these people need. It depends on what, what issues you may have, whether it be a reaction, um, you know, missing some limb. It could be anything. Military, a lot of ex-military right. are the people who I deal with. And when I'm talking to them, it's crazy because they all may be in a, a the category of whatever, if they have an illness um, if they have an injury, they might be in the same category, but they have completely different skill levels in that category. Just like if I was 23, if I was your age, we would both be the same age, mm -hmm. but in no way, shape, or form would we both be the same maturity, the same skill, the same, right? Because you have right. the variability there. So what, what was coming up in all these discussions was what would please one person absolutely in no way, shape, or form was going to please somebody else, even though they were in the exact same, you know, listing because we had uh, uh, a couple people who uh, right-hand dominant lost their right hand, unfortunately. Uh, right-hand dominant lost their left hand. Right-hand dominant lost some fingers. Left-hand dominant lost some fingers. And then right-hand dominant uh, something else. I can't remember. Nerve damage, I think. Okay. Uh, and then left hand was fine, but they were ambidextrous. So we were trying to figure out, like, what do we do? like? Because we were gonna do a stream where we were like, let's all get together and play these games. We we're trying to figure out what do we all need so that everybody can play mm -hmm. a game, whatever game we choose. And even in that small select group of people, there was a massive difference between all of them and what all of them would have if we were in this discussion. What all of them would consider an easy mode. They would all. I bet you a million dollars. No matter what we had chosen as an easy mode, one of them would have an issue with it. And not an issue aggressively, because they're not those kind of people. Right. But an, yeah, I, yeah. an issue of, like, it wouldn't help them. Mm -hmm. That particular fix 
would not have helped them. I think that's the big thing with developers is that there's how low do you go? How, yeah, in your in the skill base, how low do you push it um, so that everybody can access it? And then do you consider access difficulty, which the people I've talked to, they don't, but I know some people do, so I don't know where that's, you know, mm-hmm. where they agree. And that just goes to show you right there, too, that the words don't even mean really what they are anymore. Because mm-hmm. the words, that accessibility is not the same as difficulty. If you look up the word and you understand, like, normal game development. But now it does. Now people are trying to sort of mend them together. It's difficult. It would it'd be tough. I think that From was very good and very open and has never strayed from their course. So you certainly can't say you were surprised that this game is like yeah, this. Yeah, that's, that's the other thing. Right? Um, and I, should, I, I also want to say that, you know, I'd love to. I, I want to see more of like what I, I've seen on Twitter. I, I I follow hockey quite a bit, and you see them including uh, folks with disabilities or, or uh, folks who may have recovered from a you know a really dangerous disease. Um, you know, in the hockey team, for example, and and doing cool things with the team and that type of stuff warms my heart. Like I think many others. Um, I also, you know, we saw a video, uh, when Apex was like really hot and still is hot, but I'm saying like, it was really at the top and, um, there was a military vet who had, who had won and he was playing with his foot or something like that. And, you know, you want to see that type of shit in, yeah, in, cool. in like these types of games. Cause it's cool. It's awesome. It makes you feel good. And I'm sure the developers like, we must've done something right with our game to make him be able to do that control yeah. wise. Um, and it's a success for everybody. It's something that we can all celebrate. So, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I want more of that. I, I just, yeah, like I said, I sit on the side of how, how low do you go um, only because not that we should not not go as low as possible, but more so that, you know, there there's so many differences on difficulty. Uh, yeah. Or, or opinion, I'm sorry, perspectives on difficulty. Sorry, when your dog's barked, I lost my train of thought. I apologize. <laughs> no, no, you're good. Uh, differences of perspective for difficulty where, yeah, it, it's like, you know, how, how low can you possibly go for these these people out here? Um, I had to tell them to be quiet. Oh, no, you're good, man. Uh, with, with Souls and then Bloodborne, though, I feel like we've known forever that FromSoft makes a style of game. And they've never deviated from that. It's always tried to to master i'm sorry i forgot demon souls too you know it, it always from the very get-go has been we will slap you over the wrist as many times you're going to learn our game and i think the most significant experience i had with that was bloodborne i had played souls one i'd beat it twice um i had played a little bit of souls two i dropped it um i had played and beat souls two afterwards by the way but this was i think a year or two after uh, i think it was a year after Bloodborne, but when I went into Bloodborne, um, all we were conditioned with was Dark Souls combat, and which was a lot of shield hugging, circling your enemy, and Bloodborne encouraged dash at your enemy when they attack. When you lose health, attack, get your health back, fill it back up, that type of stuff, which required, I remember that opening area, it took me three and a half hours to get through because it kept just like, slap me on the wrist, slap me on the wrist, like, you gotta learn, you gotta learn, you gotta learn, and eventually you do learn... And then you start to master the game. And it's always about overcoming that challenge, which is at the core of their design philosophy, I'd say. Not just because I'm I'm not, I'm not a Sekiro get-gooder. I'm just saying it's historically always been like that. And that's my experience with it where I was like, okay, you know, shit has to change and I have to adapt to this. Which is also, as a studio, 
who makes exceptionally difficult games, I think is a humongous challenge unto its own of, okay, now people want us to make it accessible and they want to have to, to get uh, the entry barrier lower. How low do we go with still having that learn the game? We're going to slap you on the wrist, learn the game. Do we give them more healing items? Do we give them stronger weapons, but yet not tone down the AI? What changes? I think a lot of thought goes into it, which brings me back to my original point of, I think in the original design, when they're concepting the, the base game is when this thought needs to be put in, which I think yeah. you're not going to see immediate change. Um, but I, I think accessibility in, in games has has gotten better over time. Carrick, you and I have focused on games like Nier, uh, which has a, a pretty much an auto-fight difficulty. Um, Persona 5 has a story difficulty, so if you do not want to have... You cannot die. You cannot die in the story difficulty. And also, um, you don't lose out on any trophies in that game, which I know is for a small demographic, but you know for those who are, are maybe disabled and also trophy hunters, you're not punished for playing on a lower difficulty, which makes it feel a lot better. Um, so like I said, I think that's something that both of those games had in their core design. You know, the, in Nier Automata, they're like, let's make these chips, let's make it for folks who aren't as good at combat or wants to play Nier Automata, but they can't keep up with the, the flashiness and the fast pace of the combat. It's just not for them or whatever, but they're, they're invested in what we're doing here. Let's make it accessible to them. I think, yes, it is very well possible and it should be considered and, and developers should push towards it. It just, I think, takes a lot more thought than folks are maybe considering what could be an easy knee-jerk reaction of just slapping in a lower difficulty. I also think it's going to be awesome because all this does is just indicate to another developer they could possibly do it. Mm-hmm. So as Surge, I'm, I'm having Adam, uh, the lead for Surge 2, come on a podcast and like this will be something cool. we talk about. Like, have they been, you know, and, and I, yeah, I mean, I'm depending on what he wants to talk about, you know, I'll want to talk about it. We'll see if he, he does. He's very open, but uh, yeah, I would want to know, like, so do you guys, do you guys see this other company dealing with this? But I would say from is well known for that. So in a way, you know, Mm -hmm. buyer beware, because even buyer beware for anybody in that game, in Sekiro, um, you gotta, you know, luckily I didn't come off Bloodborne. I, it came off a completely different game. And so I didn't have any of the relearn issues that a lot of people had. Yeah. But when you go into, um, certain titles, I, I personally believe that not every title is going to have to adjust its difficulty. Accessibility is a great thing that needs to be added to every game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but difficulty, I don't necessarily think needs to be adjusted. Uh, because there is the, like I said, there is the, is it a game or just a show now? Cause if it's a show, you know what? What are we doing? Like what? Like how are we even going to display it where it makes sense? Um, and if it's hyper hyper difficult, only some of us can play, like Sekiro. So I, I think it's an awesome discussion to have because, like I said, it's just going to cause other companies to say, "Oh, we need to make sure, unless we're up front from the very start, that hey, this is a fucking crazy ass difficult game. It's cra- and it." As long as it's got the accessibility options, we I think we all expect color blindness, all that kind of stuff. Subtitles, dude. There's games that don't have subtitles right now. Spyro that blows me away. They just patched what? it. What? Spyro. Spyro, right? Yeah. yeah. They patched it. In, yeah. I think two months ago. That's crazy talk. Now, again, understanding that the original probably didn't, and maybe mm-hmm. that's what happened. Is it somehow like they don't have an accessibility expert who's like, dude, what are you doing? That shit needs to be in there for sure. Because yeah, I, I remember um, I, I made a video about Spyro, and it did decently well because uh, i mean i make videos about rpgs but i made a video talking about how it's so stupid that spyro didn't have subtitles because there are people who are very hard of hearing 
who, who should be able to experience Spyro and they couldn't. And the comments were loaded with more people than you'd ever imagine who were, were thanking me for speaking out, but also... Oh, dude, the number of people, yeah. yeah. That's who, what I'm saying. Yeah. And that's why like, I was very delicate in my explanation of my perspective because I know people don't think that there are as many disabled gamers, but there there are a lot. And, and, and like you said, they're all different parts of the spectrum, whether it's colorblindness, you know, spasms, or... Um, lifetime versus later illness yeah. damage in a war i mean we have a lot of vets because like i said that's who i deal with right. and vets have weird like there's weird illnesses for sure but vets will have something where everything's fine but one exact spot like you know like an illness will be like oh you have tremors but they're all over your body or you mm-hmm. have this and a lot of uh vets will have one specific issue due to damage and you have to look at that and go fuck what do we do and that's why I think the accessibility controller is the first step. Also, I did a video on voice attack. For PC, there is n- simply nothing better than voice attack. For yeah, anybody who has any... Star Trek? I played it with Star Trek. We did it with Elite. Now I do it with fucking Windows pr- or uh, Premiere, Adobe Premiere. I use it for editing. Because you can tell any program to do whatever you want. So I'll be in Adobe Premiere and I'll be able to cut and it switches the tool. I don't need to worry about shortcuts. I'm just like cut here, you know, paste here. And it just does and so, and that can be used with any program. Uh, Microsoft Alexa now works. Oh, mm-hmm. whoops. Hang on. I'm turning mine down. Uh, <laughs> so Alexa works with the Microsoft Xbox, and you can have it do stuff, record, um, turn on, off, a couple other things. I would love to see voice really become a thing, Maddie, because I think that, yeah. yes, people for sure have an Connect issue with, with voice, but Connect was, exactly, Connect was on to something. It may have been early, but the voice commands are not early. They're late. The voice mm-hmm. command, it worked in fucking Tom Clancy's Cyber War on the 360. I think it was called Cyber War on the 360. You could put the earphone in and you could tell your guys to go and attack. And it's most games don't have that. That is a huge thing. Can you imagine how much like more open a title would be? Even for you or I, when you're playing an MMO and there's 150 skill buttons oh, and you've got God. your skill trees, you right, in Star it. Trek or Star Wars, yeah, Man. and you're like, wouldn't it be nice to be able to say, like, you know, I mean, you have the button, too, but you'd be able to say, like, Fireball, because you know the name, but you can't remember which of the 50 buttons, and you're able to do that. Those mm-hmm. kind of, that needs to happen, I think, above almost everything else is voice commands need to be looked at, just like subtitles. I really do believe voice commands could help a huge number of gamers get through the more difficult stuff like in Sekiro I don't know if you had this so Sekiro when they ship you the game has easily the worst control mapping I've ever seen in a game there's I've never in my life seen a game with worse control mapping so I first got it and it's like right bumper for attack which everybody already knows that has a delay compared to the face buttons there's actual issues with the input that's why you can buy triggers that are mm-hmm. cut so they are quicker so I went into somebody's uh, Sekiro thread a couple days ago, and I was like, dude, are you using right bumper to attack? Because they were having issues. And I was like, switch to your fate. Go in there, switch him. And he's like, I'm halfway through the game. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. Switch him. Trust me. And within like 45 minutes, he emailed me. He's like, are you kidding me? It changed my life. He's like, I changed the lock on to this button instead of this one. So I wasn't like, but with voice attack, that means if somebody is, let's say, doesn't have the use of their left arm, then they could map those to words whether it be lock on. So you're looking at a guy, lock on, and now you can use your right hand to do whatever you need to do. Uh, turn off lock or whatever you want to call it, you know, and you're able to turn that on, off and on. Those kind of things need to happen as soon as possible because I do believe that a huge amount of accessibility would be 
at least it would it would add a lot for people if they could if they could offset some of the motor skill stuff or even just multiple button stuff onto voice. I think a yeah. lot of people would come I think it's a really good idea. I do. Um, I know. I know. Like for example, PS4 actually has voice support now. You have to like press a button when your headset's plugged in. You can like tell it to open an app. But yeah, like within mm-hmm. games, it yep. needs to. I think that's a yeah good in step games. Forward. Yeah, 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 so yeah dude. I, I'm pretty fiery about voice attack. Sorry, I just no, think no, they you, should. You you made that, a really good argument. I like you said how long it stuck with me because uh, you said the yeah. uh, the Star Trek thing and you described it to me. I was like, that sounds fucking awesome. Yeah, um, it is. It's amazing. Yeah, Sekiro was a game that um. I had I had started on stream. I played about two hours on stream. I played an hour afterwards, and I just decided I I, I didn't like it. Like that, it was just kind of that simple. Um, it wasn't a bad game. I I said it on my Twitter account. I was like, I'm just putting it down. It's not for me. You know, like it's it's not. I uh, I and you think it would be right? Like I love Japanese stuff, so like you think a FromSoft game just solely based on that would be awesome. Um, but. I, part of it's I'm a Bloodborne fanboy. I, I I beat it three times compared to my twice with Dark Souls one, and uh, once with Dark Souls two. I've never beat Dark Souls three. So as you can tell, I align more with a certain style of FromSoft game, uh, one that I think favors more aggression. Uh, and I also just I love the world a lot more in Bloodborne. There's a lot more that speaks to me in Bloodborne customization wise. I think it's a million times better. Uh, I love the builds, and I think that Sekiro, oddly enough, in contrast to the discussion we were having, uh, streamlines a lot of things, but also adds depth. Like, I think the perks add a lot of depth, because um, you can do some really cool stuff, especially with the counters. They're awesome. Um, but like I said, I just, combat-wise, that whole time I was playing, it didn't click, and I was like, this feels good. Like, it instantly was, it was instantly for me. It was instantly a, I get this. And I didn't. I wasn't having much trouble. The only time I had some trouble was I got to the guy with kind of like the spear. Um, I'm trying. Yeah, to the halberd thing. I know what you're talking. Yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, it's what you're talking like about. After, yeah. it's like in the you time travel for the first time or or whatever. Um, and this guy, he gave me some trouble, and I finished him up, and I was like, I don't. I'm not enjoying this. Like that didn't feel good. Like a FromSoft mini boss or a FromSoft boss usually does. Like, that felt oddly, like, like I'm not just scratching the surface of my potential. Like, I'm just going to unlock more stuff. Because I think the stealth, really, really easy to take advantage of. I It's very powerful. It's it's not, it was not a smart decision, in my opinion, for, for the style of game it is now. Let's exclude the accessibility discussion for now. For what it is today, I think it was uh, a game that should not have included that because it's, it reminds me of an old PS2 game where, you know, when, like, you, you'd be in a stealth segment, you get caught or you die, and you have to repeat that level and do the same stealth kills in the same spots over and over. When you die to a boss in a FromSoft game, sometimes you'll just sprint through the mob enemies and you'll start up the boss fight and that's it. Uh, but but in this game, because you have to repeat stealth segments, because it's so efficient to take enemies out, you you, you know, you can get killed incredibly fast. Uh, it, it just makes sense to go through those stealth takedowns again, but it when you're doing it for like the third, fourth, fifth time, it, it there's a sense 100 of one hundred, yeah, and twenty seven. Oh yeah, one hundred and twenty seven die uh, deaths against a not boss was was my oh oh was I thought you told all. I was gonna say not too bad. No one boss, bro, because I was by myself. Oof. There was nobody playing the game, mm-hmm. so there's nobody to ask questions. Yep, so you're you just by yourself. It out. Yeah, you have to figure it out yourself. And I'll tell you, like I didn't like. I know you like Bloodborne. I thought Bloodborne's atmosphere is probably fifty times better than Sekiro. 
and I don't like Bloodborne, mm. but I, I look at it, and there was a mystery. It looked dirty and weird and unique, and Sekiro's much more cleaner and pristine, and I get that. But and I, they tried I to like tell a story, which I kind of thought was yeah, and its story's bad, okay. Just, I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, not yeah, and but with Bloodborne, there was something about it that even though I don't like Bloodborne, um, mine's more of a technical issue plus mm-hmm. the plus just not being into it at that time. But I look at it, and I'm like, man, that got to this mystery. It looks there's something about it that's like really unique. And then I look at Sekiro, and I remember playing Sekiro. And thinking, man, I'm really interested in, <laughs> in Ghost of Tsushima now and Neo 2. <laughs> yeah, that's, and, I, that came up so much in my Twitch chat. So many people are like, yeah, I can't wait for Ghost now. Well, and I said it during my review that if no, if you're a, if you're if you're accustomed to Neo, Neo makes you feel like a USA Sunday morning matinee martial artist. Crazy shit. Mm-hmm. You've got combos and things look whatever. They but they look cool. Sekiro. It doesn't. It looks like you're a European knight wearing somebody's kimono. Like, mm-hmm. even his movements aren't necessarily as flamboyant as I was hoping they would be. Or as yeah. cool looking. Um, so, I get you. Like, I, I personally liked it, but I didn't, um, I didn't like it as much. I was seeing those reviews, and I was playing it going, um, no. what the fuck? No, like, and then most of them I saw later. I didn't even look until I was almost done with the game. And I was like, come on, guys. I mean, it's not horrible, but I'm like, there's definitely some issues here. Nobody's. And then I went back and looked and didn't realize 80% of those reviews was like first six hours. And I'm all, okay, the game totally changes like 12 hours in, let alone 25. Mm -hmm. So that bothered me a lot on this particular game in particular. I think people would have been much more realistic with their reviews had they played through it all. Yeah, because I would have, I will, I will go back to it one day. Like I said, it's just when I played it, I'm like, I'm not. I'm clearly not feeling this. And that's one of like my, my challenges for this year was, you know, as a reviewer, I want to get my opinions in on everything. And I, I try to, yeah, but sometimes it's not just, yeah, sometimes I'm just like, you know what? Like this yeah. just, it's not clicking with me. I wouldn't be giving this a fair review right now, but yeah. my first impressions weren't strong in the sense of what I felt. Um, I know some people will say it only gets deeper from here. And I know it does. I know it gets better, but I also know that what I played was just very easy. Like, I died twice up until that point, and then I got to that boss. I died another couple more times, and I was like, "All right." And the, uh, the only other time I did die was I, I fucked up uh, the, the the grapple hook, which is also another really busted way to hide from hordes of enemies, because you just zip up to a building or a, a cliff and you're just crouched and you wait, and then they just go back to their whatever they're doing, and you stealth take them yeah. down. And you can just keep popping in and out. Does it feel better to, you know? go ahead and, and parry everyone and take them down that way, absolutely, but it's just so open for exploitation, and especially in a very difficult-focused uh, game, or a difficulty-focused game, you kind of want to ex- exploit those uh, those means as much as possible. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, it, it was not clicking with me, and um, what wh- I felt like I knew what I needed to do. Plus, it, it had one of those things that I had an issue with in Final Fantasy XV, which is, in XV, you'll, you'll hold circle, you'll keep attacking, and then when someone's going to attack you, you it says it like comes up in the middle of the screen, it's like square to parry. And so you just hold circle, you see square, boom. Hold circle, square, boom. And, and you just keep doing that. And in Sekiro, it's obviously not like that. But what happens is you have those symbols come up above your head. Yeah. Like one means dodge. One means you jump because he's sweeping. And it starts to feel almost like Fury, like a bullet hell game where you certain colors indicate what you need to do in response 
to the action or a quick time event where this time you're dodging, this time you're you're jumping over the sweep. And um, I think it helps with identifying, right? Like, you know, okay, now he's sweep, poke, sweep, poke. Now I know I can step in. And over time, you learn their patterns. But it's just, I feel the writing is on the wall way too much with it. I feel it's just telling you exactly what you need to do. And it's not about watching the attack coming in. It's watching the symbol above your head and just making sure you're heading in the right direction when you're moving, which is much easier to figure out than reading the sweep reading the slash, reading the poke. We can turn them off. You can. That's actually something I was not aware of. Yeah. Interesting. Um, but, I mean, in all honesty, like, what you're saying makes sense to me because, like, it. the one thing I didn't like about that game is, um, and I talked about this in the review, is that uh, I was really surprised that they contained any advancement, or unless you know a secret, any advancement, uh, through two bosses, both of them, really requiring different items that are very difficult to get unless mm -hmm. you know how to get them. And I remember um, I didn't feel like it really had enough time for fun exploration of combat versus I have this very short amount of time and then there's a boss over here or I have this very short amount of time and there's a boss over here. And it's only within the first like five or six hours where this happens. And I remember being sort of disappointed that there wasn't a more like elegant way of exploring the world you know you're sort of level gated or mm. boss gated which i know people expect from this game but i felt that both of them were like to win they were sort of gamified anyway which i guess is normal but i just felt like there there was something a little too gamified about it on the other hand i will say that you got to where it gets good strangely enough so I will say I liked it more than you did to that point, mm -hmm. but they are, when you hear people saying that's when it starts to make sense, they are also right. I just don't know if your level would ever climb above mine. Like, mm -hmm. so if you're at a two and I'm at a five, I'll always be three above you on how much I like it, right? Like that, I think that makes sense. Um, I think that, uh, I think that I get it also because not a lot of people liked Bloodborne because of, a certain type of attack where the people who liked it liked it because it was about attacking to get health. People like this yeah, because yeah, people like this one because it's like hold guard to to increase posture, which is a little confusing because in every other game you don't want to hold a guard because that's what removes your guard basically. And then hammering them aggressively removes theirs. Um the big flashing things were weird. It it definitely has some again things that I'm just blown away people didn't bring up, not because I wanted them to say it was a shitty game. They could have given it the same score they gave it. It's that people just weren't even alerting folks to it. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, then you have all these consumers who go in, including my Discord. Dude, the number of people who went on my Discord and were like, the fuck? Like, the fuck is happening in this game? Like, And, and they were big FromSoft fans. I will, I will say I find it weird. You and I have differing opinions on this. So I beat Dark Souls 3, and okay. I really liked Dark Souls 3. Right. Um, I couldn't or didn't like uh, Bloodborne as much, but I absolutely agree with you on the atmosphere. It's not it's not even in the same world. Sekiro is not even close to as good mm -hmm. as Bloodborne. Um, but I like Sekiro more than you. It's sort of interesting because I wasn't a big fan of Dark Souls one or two. Okay. Um, I don't where think two three, is good. I think two is like the worst of them all. I think most people yeah. do right. If yeah. I remember yeah. right, I think yeah, yeah. two is considered. Easily. You know, it's not like a bad um, game, but it's just it, it's the most annoying and 
something dull about it. That's the interesting part about FromSoft games. Yeah, that, for sure. Uh, not to interrupt you, but like with, no, with Sekiro, you were talking about like it's kind of hard to put your finger on certain things that are just off. And it's the same yeah. thing with Dark Souls 2 a little bit. But I think Sekiro is more widely regarded as a, a great game, uh, which is good. But yeah, it, it is good, but it's also it doesn't stop somebody from pointing out that it's got dude, dude. Yeah. I mean, I had a like when I was playing that, I was like very disappointed in some people where I was just like, "Come on, man, you got to mention that. You got to mention at the very least, forewarned is is prepared, right? If like, let's say if I prepared you, if you and I talked for an hour and I explained all this, okay, you're prepared for some of the weirdness. Maybe you would have enjoyed it more. Who knows? Right. But and you can also choose to not understand any of that, but I don't think the game did the best job, and no FromSoft game has, by the way, did the best job in telling you some things as well. There were some Which things in Sekiro normal, where I was like, yeah. the fuck is happening? Normally, well, what I'm saying is I think it is normal, but I think those two things mm -hmm. combined for you right? versus other times. Because what I was going to say is normally in a FromSoft game, they're like hands-off, figure it out yourself, which mm -hmm. you're used to. What's weird is with Sekiro, they... Because it's an offline game, too. The the game pauses and gives you tutorial screens constantly in the beginning. Yeah. So you yeah. expect explanation. You exactly. Expect and it doesn't give you, you one for everything. Yeah. And it's like, if you're going to yep. tell me, tell me that. You know, like, yeah. Right. Right. Don't, right. don't, yep. don't toe, toe the line here on me. You know? And so yep. uh, that, that's another thing. I don't know. It's it's just, it didn't, pardon me, I had to drink. It, it didn't really click with me off the bat not a bad game totally see why people like it but um it, it's it's clearly not a FromSoft game right now for me um and maybe i'm also just internally saving my my struggles for when i play cuphead on the switch so we'll see except except now they did add an easy mode for cuphead didn't they or am i, I know there's i know there's a there's basic is what it's called there's base, but that was already in the old one. Okay, simple mode, I think, is what one's called. I yeah. can look it up. Really I think, dude, I think you'll be fine with Cuphead, but I will say this: it's 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 tough. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough, no, but know, it's it's on a two D plane, so I think there's an, a little bit of an easier feel to that than there is for like a Sekiro. Uh... I don't know if it was easy mode or somebody was just saying that basic Here, is um, already simple and regular mode differences. Okay, uh, so that's all it is. It's an article from from heavy.com. Okay, so I'll just read it real quick. Cup has officially released. Uh, da, da, da. For those looking for more casual time, simple mode removes a lot of attacks from bosses and sometimes even omits entire stages of a fight. This means user will have less to contend with and will be able to pour on more damage to their opponent with little trouble. One notable difference of uh, one notable example of the differences between simple and regular difficulty is the Baroness von Bon Bon boss in World Two. When on simple, many of her attacks were will be incredibly basic and there will still be an entire ending fight scene that is completely removed removed yeah mm -hmm. so you, you it's one of those games it's like you, you could play it on simple but uh that's the thing like do do people uh back to our difficulty discussion real briefly i guess do, do people with disabilities does that sound like something they're like well that may be easy for you maddie but for me that sounds like a real challenge that you know, i want to take on i'd love to to get some actual you know uh, how do I how do I describe it? Like feedback directly from someone with, with yeah, people right. with disabilities and and hear that type of stuff. You know, I'm I'm insanely curious. But now uh, we shift over to a game actually that we were just 
talking about a little bit ago with some great options for those of you who may or may not struggle with games. And that is Persona 5, which recently leaked on Best Buy with a Switch version. So Best Buy has done it again. Uh, A tweet came out from Mystic Dance and has a photo of Persona 5 in their cart for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, Furthermore, there was Metroid Prime uh, HD Trilogy as well as A Legend of Zelda Link to the Past for the Switch in Best Buy's leak. Uh, we know that Persona 5R is coming very soon. I think they said April 24th they're doing a big announcement. But Persona 5 on Switch has been a, a huge request for a really long while. Uh, myself included, where do you stand on a little Persona 5 Switch action? Yeah, I mean, I think it's awesome. I've returned to my Switch now. I was actually just discussing this with somebody on Twitter. Well, uh, uh, we, well, L.A. Noir I told you about. And then I ended up jumping back into Skyrim because I had said, you know, it was my favorite version. Somebody challenged me on, you know, mods versus that. So I okay. spent a good, like, eight hours on both. And the ability to play some of these games on Portable are pretty fucking phenomenal to me. And um, I do believe that, like, Cuphead, Persona, these coming to the Switch... I, I don't know so much about Cuphead because of the screen size and all that shit. But with Persona, I think it's a perfect fit. For the Switch. Um, it just feels right for some reason for me. Like, it, to it's me, in, in, There's just something dude, in all honesty, style. if you said Persona was Switch or PS4 when it first came out, I would have said, like, if you said, guess which company's releasing it, and I didn't know about companies and their dealings, I'd be like, oh, Nintendo, Switch, that makes perfect sense. Like, if I looked at it, I'd be like, this is yeah. just a perfect... It feels like a Switch game. Feels like a Switch game. So, to me, I'm just stoked it'll be on there. I don't know if I'll play it again, dude, because the cat... I don't yeah, even. You don't I don't. Yeah. You back. I don't honestly. I don't honestly know if my men, my mental state can handle any more of that. And I mean that. Like right. I, I legit have fucking like issues with that game design itself. So I don't I know if all return, yeah, but it, I think that uh, it's awesome for anybody who hasn't played it or wants to enjoy it again uh, on the mm-hmm. go. It's fucking great. Yeah, I mean, my girlfriend is fucking stoked because she comes over to my house and you know we, we play games together a lot but the first game i got her to play this is when we first started dating a year ago i got her to try bioshock one because i'm sitting here like fucking bioshock wants the shit and she plays it she's like this is like really hardcore and i'm not really clicking with it which i appreciate her honesty so i told her about persona 5 she's like that sounds cool and she played for four hours straight and fell in love with it now you know we, we see each other like once or twice a week um, so you, like not every time she's grinding out persona on my PS4 and she's like, this game needs to come to the switch or something. And, and this was before, cause this past Christmas I had bought her a switch. Um, uh, but she was like, this needs to come to a console. I need to get a PS4 for this or something. And in my head the whole time, I'm like, I got, I got Christmas planned for you. Yeah. Uh, right. But you know, when she got her switch, she's like, Oh my God, like, are they going to put persona five on it? And around that time there were rumors and I was just like, yeah, I mean, apparently. So it's not confirmed, though. She's like, oh, my God, I can't wait. And so I sent her the leak, and she's like, holy shit. So, you know, people like her, lots of out there who, who want to play Persona 5. Uh, it's a pretty big deal that it's leaving PS4 exclusivity to come to the Switch. I think that yeah. that's tremendous. I mean, it's also on PS3. But it is a PlayStation exclusive. Uh, so for it to leave that exclusivity window and come to the Switch, I think indicates that 
maybe Atlas bought out of a deal perhaps and, and sees a lot of opportunity for that second life surge that a lot of games get on the Switch. It's very much structurally built for the Switch where you can do a pickup and play. Uh, the dungeons are long, but the day-to-day life where you go to school, you hang out with your friends, you do some social links, those periods of times before you, you enter someone's heart, so to speak, uh, those, those are very much a pick up and play accessibility. And even floors of the dungeon can, can actually be... Yeah, I was going to say, how long how long is the longest dungeon, really? I mean, it's uh, not going to kill hours. your battery. Three yeah, so you hours. can... If you have a fully charged Switch, you should mm-hmm. be able to get through all the dungeons. Yeah, I'm just saying someone you know, who's got an hour between classes, yeah, maybe, yeah, or something. Yeah, for sure. On a train ride. You know, I'm thinking about mm-hmm. that, too, but I'm thinking a little more condensed. So that is a good point. Yeah, like, with a Switch's battery life, you could dust the dungeon very easily, so... Yeah, yeah, uh, which is awesome, because that just means a short playthrough or a long playthrough is going to be valid on that system. Exactly. Which, it Ta- works. Time, which a lot of people struggle with, kind of gets pulled out of the, the scenario a little bit more, because it's, yeah. it's accessible... Yeah. Um, there's just something between the switch where you press the power button a three times or whatever button you want to press three times and yeah, right. games there. You can play on the couch for 30 minutes, an hour, three hours, and then just throw it back in the charger or take it with you on the go versus turning on the PS4, holding the controller. It's like a setup thing. And it's a, me- I know it's a mental thing too. So just know folks that persona five is likely coming to switch. And, um, I was actually asked on my Twitch stream the other night, uh, if I should, if someone should pick up Persona or if they should pick up Danganronpa. Now, is not on the Switch, but Persona 5, if you have not played it, I still say it to this day, right next to Bloodborne, it's it's PlayStation's best exclusive. Persona 5 is fucking fantastic. It has great characters, amazing dungeons, amazing story. Like, it's a 135-hour long story, and it can t- consistently remains good, aside from what Carrick said, which I agree with, which is Morgana in, like, the first 10 hours can can kiss a dick yeah yeah flip him off yeah all that shit i fucking hate that character um yeah and I, <laughs> it's funny because i'm not into that kind of game for the most part um I, i've definitely sort of grown a little bit more accustomed to him but a persona 5 is is really really fucking it's just goofy enough that like if you want to tease it you can tease it it's just in-depth enough that if you like that kind of thing you'll like it i think that like the level of balance they have for somebody like myself who usually goes like what the fuck and instead i'm like what the fuck but in a good way where you're like you're like what the fuck but you don't put it down you're like i can i can hump this teacher who's dressed up (laughs) as a mate like what's happening you don't know if you can and that's what causes you to go okay i want to see like what the fuck is happening here and then all of a sudden you go into a dungeon and you're fighting I still remember the very first boss is, uh, or it might not be the first one, but the dude on the toilet. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. The guy and who's I, I was like just hand on the knee or whatever. Yeah, and I had played Personas before, and I really liked a lot of them, but they never held me like this one. I remember playing it just being like, See, I find that crazy, because Persona and 3 and 4 are so good. I mean, 3, three has they, an age as well, but 4 is... They like, are, but I, and I even have the 4 special, I have like some special edition. I don't even know what it is, but edition. it's like, it, it must be, yeah, and it's here. Because I really did like it, um, but five is something beyond that, and I don't know what it is. I think it's just probably I just the right balance. What for I'd say like is two things. Because four is one of my favorite games of all time. I, I adore Persona Four t- to no end. It's the one game that, like, at the end, I'm always cheesing like a dumbass. Uh, but I think it's because Persona Five starts fast, which four and three both take a real long time. Yeah, to, to they're get pretty going. Like, I think four is about a five-hour startup, which was common for JRPGs, especially back then. 
and and three is I think a little more so. Um, it, it starts fast and then slows down dramatically rather. Like the first hour is like whoa 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 whoa. Like girls pointing a gun to her head. What the fuck's going on here? And then and then you start to get an idea and, and it, it ropes you into the day to day and and it doesn't really drive things home until I'd say a couple more hours. But five really throws you immediately into the action. Yeah. And I think also five has the best dungeons, which I think for folks who decide, all right, I'm gonna stick with this for ten hours. You get into that first dungeon, you're like, holy shit. Yeah. You know, that, I think that's what it is more so than anything. Um, I think there's just more, everything's way better developed. I think they did a fantastic job with Persona 5. And uh, so those of you out there who have Switches, you should definitely look for that. But now we move on over to a really awesome topic. I mean, we were talking about games that, you know, need to, to bring a level of a retro uh, gaming back in a sense and, and you'll get what I'm talking about right now when I say Rage 2 has a plethora of unlockable cheat codes so uh, this information comes from or not Rage 2 comes from Destructoid.com here are the currently announced cheats Bethesda is teasing more after launch so there's He's on Fire NBA Jam announcer and also MLB Slugfest 2004 announcer Tim Kitzrow will accompany you on your journey or at least his voice yelling encouraging things at you as you explore the wasteland get good make things explode in one hit is great the name of the cheat is not son of thor surround yourself in comforting electricity and kill enemies that get too close Clegg support an npc you're hired to track down and kill is transformed into a friendly ai who will back you up phoenix rejector seat the rejector seat just does the opposite of an ejector seat sending your phoenix hurtling up in the air and depositing you on the ground. And I'm not sure what it achieves, but I want to watch it happen. Uh, you can buy the cheat codes from the Wandering Wizard. So um, let me check out what PC Gamer had written on that. Uh, in Rages 2's ongoing mission to assure everyone it's weird, it's now promising the chance to bend digital reality to their will with a bunch of cheat co- codes, including the classic Instagib and e- Ejector Seat that works entirely the wrong way around um everyone will get access to the same cheats but the pre-order or grab the deluxe edition and you'll have some of them straight away for the rest everyone will need to hit the wasteland wizard up a traveling sage with universe altering powers he'll be found wandering around and will sell cheats for in-game currency emphasis on that dude i'm telling you i said this in a tweet Bethesda can't fuck this up they cannot fuck this game up they, they cannot. This game sounds too fucking amazing. What do you think about Rage 2? Are you on board yet? Mm, ah! no. no. It's not that I'm not on board. It's that I... I mean, I probably am because I like... I love Avalanche. And I, I like it. I mean, I love Doom. So it's like, I probably am. I'm just not... I don't you're, know what the term more, is. You're smarter than me, is what you are. <laughs> no, no. I'm just, I'm, I, I don't even know if the term's ambivalent. I guess I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, you're waiting for the aha moment where. Yeah, or something. Where, so I'm just, uh, I, and, and I feel like I'm doing this for all games now, where I'm just like, uh, and, and I don't mean a business decision, mm-hmm. something stupid like that. I just mean, I'm just, you know, like. It seems great. It seems exactly what I want because I'm a big fan of like Mad Max. I'm a big fan of Doom, and I'm a big fan of post-apocalyptic. So to me, it 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 smashes all those um, or or, or checks all those uh, check boxes. So I'm excited for it, but not. I don't know what it, it hasn't really grabbed me other than the one single trailer. Um, 
I haven't been impressed. This is going to sound really weird. I haven't been super impressed with the shooting because the AI looks bad. So ignoring that because it's so early, the driving looks really fun. So I'm really excited when I see that. They showed that last trailer and like they're shooting missiles and blowing fucking people up. I, I can't wait for that. So I would oh. say the driving, I'm, I, mm-hmm. I'm 100% behind. Um, the one thing, because uh, you were talking about waiting for the shoe to drop, and it reminded me, I very rarely do get inside tips, but I actually did get one that I'm not able to fully firm up, but I still think it'd be interesting to share. It's it's not about the game, but around the collector's edition and the quality of it, and, and someone who works with a very big retailer actually had told me that pretty much the quality of this collector's edition was so bad that they had canceled their their order of them from the distributor because Bethesda was like, we don't think it's Whoa. a good quality of products, so, especially because of what they dealt with. So I think awesome. Hey, that yeah, all so power to them. I think um, Bethesda might be aware and working on the scenes, which is why we're seeing what mm. I just read. Um, let me bring up the PC Gamer article here again, where they say if you buy the deluxe edition or pre-order, you get it. There's no mention of anything about the collector's edition here. Um, so yeah, just like I said, you know, take it with a grain of salt if you will, if you will, uh, because it's not something I can firm up. But uh, I still thought it was very interesting information that was shared with me because of, you know, it clearly indicated Bethesda was trying to take a cost-cutting route with their collector's editions moving forward, and maybe Rage Two was the next in line. And I think they yeah. know it's lining up to be a very fucking strong game. And that so they, why why hurt it? Exactly. Why hurt it? Exactly. So that's why I should have uh, mentioned that when I was going into hype mode that it seems like they get they got something special on their hands here and that's really turned into something cool. Anyway, I did not mean to cut you off. Go on, you were talking about cars. No, that's actually really – to me, I'm just really excited that they even looked at it. Even if their plan was to go one route, I'm not surprised by that. It's a fucking company. They don't mm-hmm. save babies. They fucking make money. So uh, – and then consumers – told them that that wasn't the best bet on Fallout 76. And so I think it's awesome. They look at something, they're like, you know what? It's not the best bet. We want to fix this. So I think that's fucking, that is actually, in a weird way, a little bit more exciting for me right. um, that they're paying attention to it. But yeah, the car stuff, I'm into that, dude. And I'm into the shooting and stuff as long as it's good. But I got really burned on Rage. The did you ever play Rage? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I did. I liked the, it. The original. And um, I got burned because yeah, I so thought... <laughs> Yeah, I thought I thought Rage was going to be more open world, I think, due to Fallout, right? right? And then I went in, and, you know, you do have some driving around and stuff. But the shooting was very good until I figured out what every enemy was going to do just by looking at him. I, like, I was like, I know what his animation will be. So you could, mm-hmm. like, literally fire to cause the animation and then twist over and then fire, and they roll into your bullets. You know, um, so... I think we passed that, but then I got really burned when I saw Rage 2, and they showed some scenes of him doing some gun battling in a section, and all the enemies are literally just, like, not paying attention and running around Mm -hmm. with their fucking heads cut off. I always get nervous about that, Maddie, because AI shouldn't be perfect by any means, but I want it to be as competent as possible without that stupid moment, right? I get you. So I'm excited for it. Very excited for the driving parts in particular because I love that in almost any game. Mm-hmm. Um, if the shooting can, let's say, be half as comp, uh, three fourths as competent as Doom, uh, I'll be fucking stoked because I think you, it'd be very hard to make it as competent as Doom because Doom was set up in a certain way. So right. if it's three fourths as competent as Doom in the shooting and three fourths as good to me because I know you didn't like Mad Max as much as me, mm-hmm. then I would be 
fuck, that would be like game of the year material for me because yeah, I like those two games that much. I know it sounds crazy to say about a Bethesda game nowadays, but it, it really is looking like it's shaping up to be game of the year material. And maybe I'm a little biased because so. I've, I've played it twice. I played it yeah. uh, at E3 and then I played it at QuakeCon. It was the same demo both times and both times I had a, like a fucking blast. Like it was so satisfying to play. Um it is, as a shooter, it plays exceptionally well. It's very tight. The only thing I worry about is the little arenas they base you in for shooting because Doom gets you into flow, right? And you're, you're you know, the each Doom's area, parkour. It's yeah, death parkour. It, it, exactly. I mean, and it feels yeah. like every area was finely crafted to make sure you could, like, leap from this place to this place. Yeah. Kill this guy here. And, like, you could just, it was, it was so much intricate thought was put into every yeah. arena. Uh, where I saw a little bit less of that in Rage 2 because you know, your dash wouldn't go f- just far enough. or, or Oh, I see. Y- it felt uh, like your momentum was, was a little stagnant. Like, you'd, you'd get yeah. three kills and you'd have to just be a normal guy and sprint for, like, five seconds. Okay, now I'll kill a couple more guys. You move faster than most FPSs, but for all the power and epic shit they put on display... Um, it definitely it felt a little underwhelming in that sense, but the trailers, which obviously are designed to sell us on the game, so we'll take that with a grain of salt, seem to indicate that they took that feedback and have actually increased a lot of the movement, like movement speed. Uh, the air dashes seem to gain a little more distance. Um, the power seemed to, to be a little more explosive. You take out more enemies with ease, that type of stuff, which is really important because the, the game plays well, and um, there was a part in the level where things did tighten up, so I wasn't sprinting big stretches to, to continue a gunfight. And it felt incredible at that point. It felt very good to play. So Rage 2 is shaping up, in my opinion, to be excellent. What do you think about the return of cheat codes, though? Like, is this something you've wanted? Or, or are you kind of like someone who's like, yeah, I was kind of indifferent to it? Yeah, I'm diff- I, I think it's uh, it's awesome if you, like, um, mm-hmm. want to use them. I don't know when you can use them or does it fuck up, corrupt your save game? Do, you know, all the weird little questions that always pop up or can right. you not save or, you know, I, I want to look at those to verify if they're that useful. But it just all depends because to me, cheat codes are totally fine. I have no problem with anybody using them and I would certainly use them if they were funny. Um, I just, one of the things I don't like is, and I, I'm spacing on the name, Maddie, for some fucking reason, but there's a very popular game where if you use cheat codes, it like disables your saves from that point on. Oh. Um, it's not dying light, but there's some game where it's like you go down, you go into this thing, and then it's like it pops up, and you have like multiple cheat codes. Anyway, long story short, um, I I want that stuff to flow. So if I want to use them, I want them to. I have no problem with them tracking and 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 you know putting a big fucking letter on the screen to say I'm doing it. Any that kind of stuff's fine. I just hope that it won't impede your progress <laughs> or something like that. Marvel Ultimate Alliance 2 <laughs> disables it. Uh, Marvel Red, does. Red Dead Redemption 2? Yes, Red Dead Redemption. Thank you. That's the game. That's the game I'm talking codes. about. Yeah, that's the game I'm talking about. So it's got the cheat codes that you can what? read in newspapers. Yeah. So, and if you, yeah, if you're reading a newspaper, there's cheat codes in some places and you can really? see them. Yeah. And yeah, that, wow. th- um, and I believe GTA 5 also did that. Wow. GTA 5 had cheat codes. So as long as they don't as long as they figure a way around that, like maybe you can't save but it doesn't destroy your save game or doesn't like or, or but I mean even then like what if somebody's if they're cheat codes mm-hmm. if what if somebody needs them then you get into the weird discussion of like what if somebody's at a boss and they want to use infinite health because they want to get through the boss but you're no longer allowing them to save. So then they just basically have to put on 
that cheat code at all times so that they can beat the game, but then it's not the same feeling. Like, I just want to know how they're instigated, how they're, how, how they're put in the game. I love the idea. I have no problem with them being in there. I just, right. I hope they're intelligently done. Mm, yeah, I, I feel like what they'll do is the standard uh, trophies and achievements unlocking are disabled from this point forward. Kind of like what Bethesda does with mods. They're just like, yeah, you can't get achievements now. Or a separate save. Yeah. Or that'd be maybe it'll, yeah, and it'll be like cheats used on your save. I have no mm-hmm. problem if they want to say cheats used on your save. Maybe it's cheat specific because they announced a, a Cockney British voice pack. Um, I forgot who they said was voicing it. Danny, Danny Dyer or something like that. Danny Dyer? Huh. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they're putting his voice in, and they're putting, obviously, as I said earlier, NBA Jam and MLB Slugfest announcer Tim Kitzrow's in there. I, I doubt those disable anything. They're just voice yeah, packs that right. kind of commentate over your gameplay, and it's hilarious, and you, you use it for a couple hours or something. Um, but, like, stuff like Son of Thor, surround yourself with comforting electricity and kill enemies that get too close. That, to me, sounds like something that could... It's, oh, that's going to disable some of the game. It also depends on... How much in-game currency does this cost? Because if it takes a lot to get, then maybe oh, th- this seems the type of game that they'd say, unlock it, fucking use it. Use it because you, you paid for it. Um, well, that's another thing. I'm actually that okay. That's that's what I'm fighting for, actually. I'm actually okay with that. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with them saying, use it if you want, but also be able to turn it off if you want and continue from whatever mm-hmm. point. It, it, at some point, if you're going to put it in there, then fucking don't put a goddamn 8,000 restrictions for it being in there. Right. Well, we've talked about this before. Should you be able to change your difficulty once you've started uh, Metro Exodus, where you start <laughs> and you're like, I want to jump up to the highest difficulty, and that's the only one you can. You have to start the game on. Yep. And you're like, come on, are you kidding me? Yep. So um, I, I just don't want restrictions. I, I think it's awesome I lo- you know, for people who want to use them. It depends on what they are. I'd use the British. See, I'm the person who would use the British pack, or I would use the developer commentary packs. Like, I would play the entire game with one of those playing. Um, and I would certainly hope it didn't aff- affect my save game. So, yeah, it's cool. It just depends on what they are and, you know, how, how Bethesda allows us to use yeah, them. because I'm... I'm stoked. Like, like I said, I played it, so I know I have a little more bias towards the game. But I, I think it is shaping up to be fantastic. And uh, what I played was fun, and what they're adding looks fun. It just looks like a really fun game. And it's no, you a, guys, I mean, have been pretty right on about yeah the I mean, other games you played, haven't? I'm trying mean? to remember you. Well, you played a couple games. Uh, we did Evil Within, and Which I think. Sucked. Didn't we play early Evil Within? I played the first that first demo with the boxes and the chick with the, the I played the bodies. Evil Within too early. Yeah, I, I made impressions yeah. video. I did. And then there was the other one you guys played, Wolfenstein. Remember? Yeah. Wolf, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. So and I think I think all the times that you guys have played, you haven't really been overly nice or overly unfair to a game. So it's like it makes sense. I was positive about and then I negative enjoyed, in the review? I enjoyed. No, and Wolfenstein 2, I was very positive about in my review. I, I enjoyed that one quite a bit. Oh, okay. Even after watching some of like people's rants and uh, I was stories fine, about it. Yeah, I was still like, I get I got their perspective. I never thought that deeply on the first Wolfenstein, which people like deeply right. appreciated. Um, and so, uh, yeah, Wolfenstein 2 was fine in my book, but I get why people gotcha. don't like it. But uh, yeah. the, the Evil Within 2 was the one I like walked away, both impressions-wise and after an review, and I was like, nope. No, I was just saying that I don't think you're uh, biased because most of the time I've talked to you, when you have done an early game, yeah, it's matched up with yeah. what, like, y- y- you haven't been like, this game's fucking awesome! And yeah. then in the review, you're like, terrible game. 
which is what I see a lot of times and is a sore point right now for me with previews. Mm-hmm. No, I feel you. Yeah, I, I think I think Rage 2 will, will please folks is more so what I'm indicating with, with my coverage of the game. I, I think it's it's going to be hard to fuck it up. Like, it's going to take either poor performance upon launch in the terms of, like, bugs and glitches to, I think, really disable what's special about the game. Yeah, I don't... Provide you're going in not expecting, like, an incredible narrative. I don't think that's going to be there either, but I also don't think that people are expecting it hopefully mm-hmm. but i like the idea of like an ai companion joining you in a, in a cheat code that that's like cool you know that's the type of stuff usually you see like big head mode and whatnot but you know ai companion that's that's a cool addition anyway rage to add in cheat codes bringing us back to the ps2 era the n64 maybe even the nes if you will uh but now we move on to another topic, which is Borderlands Game of the Year edition. I'm currently working on my review for it. Carrick, how much have you played of the Borderlands Game of the Year edition? About seven minutes, man. Seven minutes. I'm ready to give my full review, Maddie. Perfect. Seven Let's minutes, baby. I'm just joking. <laughs> no, I literally got. I downloaded the original, didn't get the DLC, so I could see the original before the HD pack. Right. And that and and verified that there was a big difference in graphics and in that one scene, literally the starting, and then I haven't got a chance to play it anymore. So okay. I, I definitely will this weekend. I'll, I'm sure I'm reviewing a couple games, but I'm sure I'll, I'll stick two hours to it. Yeah. It's not a super long game because they added the, the golden chest in, in, in Firestone. So you can get really good weapons immediately off the bat. So some of the progressions accelerated, which I think actually improves the game. Uh, mm. in a way that a little I less grindy yeah exactly um yeah. You, you fly through quests and then you end up over leveling um like the final boss took us literally 10 seconds and that's not an exaggeration like it, it was super fast we we uh my friend trex and i had beat the game just last night on stream and i thought it was actually one of the better remasters there's some glitches here and there uh like the audio would stop working he i never had this issue but trex had an issue with the mini map Sometimes like flickering on and off. Oh, um, interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There, there are some bugs tucked in there, but I think the quality of life enhancements make it a lot more acceptable. It's not like a mm-hmm. prettier, dumbed down version of the original. It's like here's the original game, and it's got the mini map. It's got, like I said, the chest in Firestone or New Haven. Um, it's also got all the four DLC packs. It's got new legendaries. You got the customization for your characters uh, that you pick in the beginning. Um, that type of stuff I thought was was really cool, and it, it adds to the game a little bit. And and stuff that maybe you didn't expect to add to it, like an FOV slider, um, and a little increased fluidity in the gameplay, uh, goes a really long, 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 long way with a title that that felt very weighted and heavy in its original form that I was playing just like three or four days ago for gameplay for mm-hmm. a video. It, so I think they did a wonderful job with it. Uh, for those who are looking for my review, just keep that in mind. Uh, it's 30 bucks. I think it's priced incredibly fairly. I think they, they could have easily sold it for $60 with the enhancements they made. Uh, not like it's deserving of that, but they could have gotten away with it. I'd yeah, say. they could have gotten away with it. Yeah, yeah. they could have lied or not lied, but like sold it to people. Exactly. That's that, what I'm yeah. saying. They could have been like, we have big quality of life enhancement. Pieces, yeah. Like this new map. And it, like, I think, uh, it, it was a very smart move to keep it at 30 because more people can impulse buy it because it was coming out a week after its announcement, which which I thought was smart. Um, it's not super long of a game. The base game took 12 hours to get through. 
Mm, like gotcha. Yeah, so and that's just one playthrough, and there's still the DLC to do. Um, I did get some heavy frame drops in two areas. One is New Haven. The other is, um, oh my god, I'm blanking on the name now, but the, the Secret Armory of General Knox DLC, the, the hub area for that, oh my god. Like, just my performance tagged, like, 20 FPS, 30, like, 15 FPS, like, really really bad in both those locations would tweak the settings to the lowest would turn specific things off just something happens in those locations that makes it really hard to play and gives me a headache uh but that's like my my major gripe with it it's strange that makes me a little nervous um so i've talked to about 10 people about eight patrons and then two people in our podcast and they all said exactly what you said I'm glad it's not me. Frame. I thought my rig was just like nope. struggling because I was streaming and then I was like nope. rendering videos. No, nope. yeah, and it was I'd... PC, it was Xbox, and it was PS4. Oh, wow. uh, the one thing all of them were complaining about, every single one, was that the frame rate was variable. And especially on PC, Reg, he has the same PC as I do, okay. he was getting anywhere from 120 frames down to about 55. That is a massive variation Mm -hmm. and that usually means some optimization hasn't happened in some spots which sounds like you you, those spots are where you noticed it so if you don't have as powerful a system as his if you're getting like 80 then you're going to drop you know lower to 40 or 30 so it makes it makes absolute sense it's a little nerve-wracking for me because you're like quite literally the 14th maybe or 15th person now who's backed up those exact problems um also the pc version no hdr i just I don't think the I console have, had like really good HDR or something. I heard someone asked me about it on on Twitch. I think it's okay, but it at least has it. The PC doesn't even have it. It doesn't work. Mm, it's broken. Strange. Um, the PC is actually missing a couple normal expectations. Dual monitor support, I think, is what Reg said, or did he say ultra wide? One of the two. Um, but I think overall that's cool. Thirty bucks. Hey, it's got a couple FPS issues. Okay, that sucks for sure. They should fix those. But um, I think you would agree. They at least all said that it does look much better and that Absolutely. the HD textures, um, Reg and Silver, who are on the podcast, were saying that if you took a current game now and cell shaded it, that's pretty much what this looked like. As in, it didn't look like an old, old game. Like those, yeah, those textures the, in, increased that, its. That's the beauty of this type of art style is that yeah. it's, it's very flexible and updating it can make a game look current very easily it's not like very cool you know current in some areas eh. like the only thing that really showed its age was the lack of audio uh in the terms of of like yeah you could see they learned from that because in the dlc choices the, or what no i'm saying like uh like dialogue over the echo net like in, in two like there's someone always screaming oh. in your ear and i mean that in a good way a, a way of praise but in in one the base game like you know you pick up the tannis audio logs every now and then you'll hear her story You'll hear Claptrap tell you there's new missions on the bounty board, and occasionally for the main story, you'll get contacted over the Echo. But, like, as you progress into the DLC, you see them start to adapt to a, a style of storytelling where they use the Echo more, and there's more dialogue. That's the only time I felt the game really showed its age, where I was like, oh, it's just really shooting and looting here, and, and some seeds planted of the lore. And uh, okay. it, it, It's actually cool to re-experience, because, um, like, when the game, I don't want to say wraps up, but you, you see a camera in the sky and it says like uh or it's a satellite and it says hyperion on the side which is a big core of borderlands 2 and to see those seeds planted and you really don't think twice about it and then you go back to borderlands 1 after 2 and you see that you're like, oh shit oh that's pretty cool that they thought that far ahead you can see a lot of forethought with the series like there there's yeah. a lot of really cool things 
um, that that happened in Borderlands One that you realized they had set for two and the pre sequel to be explored. Um, not that the lore is perfect. There's there's a lore error I can easily call out, but it's I feel like I'd be nitpicky at that point. You um, called it out on your Twitch chat last night. Yeah, though. I did. I did. I was, I was watching. Yeah. I was watching when you. I heard. Well, I heard you bitching about something uh, about lore, and then at, at a little bit later, you dropped a one-liner, which then tied back to the joke about lore. You said, "Or if, or if they're a blah 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 or something like that," and I was like, "What's he <laughs> fucking doing?" And I was like, "Oh, I think he's, I think yeah, he's teasing now the he's, lore right now." Now I should explain. There was a point in Borderlands Two, where uh, or Borderlands the pre-sequel presents Handsome Jack as he was always a nice guy, no matter what. Even when he worked at Hyperion, he was a nice guy. And then something happens in the pre-sequel, which makes him a douchebag, pretty much. But then Borderlands 2, you find an audio log outside of Firestone where Jack's just being a fucking asshole while he's working asshole. at Hyperion. Before he's even, like, risen up. And and so you get those conflicting things. And then the I think it's because the pre-sequel is just messy in general. Like, they have this one mission objective where they tell you to... Uh, they, they tell you to start up the engine or destroy the engine of this ship to piss someone off. And they're like, oh, you didn't have to do that. And then they use it a second later to say, now that you've destroyed the engine, no, take it out this way to, to go to your next objective. It's like, so I did have to do it. It's just, like, yeah, it's like very forgetful yeah, those... storytelling that like clearly lack of direction, lack of communication between writers. Um, but yeah, that, that was, that was my little gripe with the, the writing you've successfully extracted from me now. Uh, but otherwise, uh, fantastic remaster. I, I think it's one of the better ones. Do you have, because we were trying to have this discussion and we got some good suggestions in the chat, but I want to hear what you think. What would be a, for you, a, a great remaster uh, that you've played in the past that maybe adds features? No one is going to know what I'm, you may know only because of the games that you like. You may know this title, but there is a title for the original Xbox and for the PC. It's 13 years old now called uh, Jason and the Argonauts. Oh, and you know it's what? basically a Bioware style. Yeah, go ahead. I know. I'm saying. I I think I've heard of that. I thought you were gonna. Um, yeah. Sorry. So it, it's it's basically Obsidian Protocol or or not Obsidian Protocol. What was that game called? Alpha, Alpha Protocol. Yeah. It's like got those kind of choices. It's got like Kotor two choices, but you're um you're one of the Argonauts and you put them together to go and do shit. And it's one of those games where. You're fighting, and then you're a king, and you're passing down laws, and then the very next second, like, you get to choose which god to pray to when you see a dead body in the water, and depending on which one you pray to, it changes the um, the game. And it it's one of those things where... It's one of those games where I feel it was a little ahead of its time, and it was also a little bit lost, but it is absolutely a blast. I think... I think are you trying to look for it? I am I mean, looking it up. I've got Steam... I've got Steam up. I think it's called... I'm just looking it up on my phone because I wanted to play through the, the speakers and I'm going to just sift through some IGN. I'm trying right to even here. remember what it's called. Is that what it's called? Um, Jason and Rise the... of the Argonauts. Rise of the Argonauts, yeah. So, and um, what I'd like to see in a remake if they ever did it was in, uh, fix the fighting because it was it could be a little, um, like, ba I, not basic isn't the term. It didn't have a lot of, like, impact compared mm -hmm. to the current games. And I would like to see them do that. But I like those kind of games. I liked Alpha Protocol for that. I actually liked parts of Dragon Age Inquisition when you pass down laws and you rule. I, yeah, I love that. I don't know why, but I think it's because it feels like, well, I told you about this with We the Revolution. When I'm doing one thing and I think the game is based on one thing and suddenly they throw in a mini game or some kind of alternative 
gameplay style, mm -hmm. it very much attracts me. And We the Revolution does it where, you know, you're constantly trying to perform or figure out who's guilty and then suddenly there's a board game with spies. This does it where you're it's a it's a fighting game very close to like a Dragon Age kind, uh more janky maybe Dragon Age and then suddenly you're a king and then suddenly you're like passing down laws, all that kind of stuff. I like those kind of things. So I would love to see that be remade. Um, I don't think it ever will because it didn't... It, I think it got an HD... Or maybe it didn't. I just bought it a while ago on Steam. I don't think it'll ever get a remake because it's just not big enough. But that would be the one for me. Someone actually said in the comments, Rise of the Argonauts is the closest thing to a Greek mythology Mass Effect I've ever seen. It, it is. It, I mean, dude, it's legit like that. And it starts right away. Like, you get to choose which god to follow, which unlocks certain skills. And then when you're, like, later on in the game, and it's one of those games that didn't just start and finish that, where it was like, you know how some games will be like, look at all these cool things, and then they never right. come up again? Right. That game is like, oh, you chose this god, and then later you'll be fighting a bad guy, and it'll be like, if you're a follower of a god that he follows, you know, he might say different things mm -hmm. or do different things than if you're a, a follower of another god. Gotcha. And to me, that was just enough to make me bite. But yeah, I would I would agree with that person. It's a, it's a jankier Mass Effect, really. You know, matter of fact, it would remind you more of Jade Empire than it does Mass Effect. Hmm. I mean, because of the fighting, it being more up close, no projectiles, Very nothing cool. like that. That would be mine. Very cool. In particular, is there one nowadays that you do? Oh, a remaster that I like. Yeah, that because here's the thing: is there's remasters that just bring the game up to to natural quality, but I think the best remasters are the ones that add a little bit to the game, and I think. Borderlands Game of the Year edition is one of the very few titles that actually does that. And I was like trying to think what other remasters do that, and I don't think many ever have. I'm sure somebody in the chat is going to be like, Duh -duh, or in the you know comments, I'll have ten examples. I don't have many examples of adding huge amounts. I will I can't say think of any either. I can the think newest of Zodiac Age for Final Fantasy XII added the the thing that lets you fast forward the game so combat can be a little more quicker oh it can be a little quicker we did the job um, system and even though i didn't like that game i thought that type of stuff was good for players like me rogue because i like rogue so much and then liberation <laughs> just got remade and liberation was a vita game but it was right. one of the better assassin's creed games and now that's in the new remaster that came out two days ago or whatever ubisoft is definitely a company that doesn't add a lot of quality of life in fact i think a lot of times, they don't do a lot. Um, in this last one, they took some steps to improve that. But I don't think many add. I'm trying to think. I don't think there's even a single one I know of. You know, it's, if somebody's going to add, I would say it would be Gears of War. Uh, the remaster for Gears of uh, uh, Which was Edition? it? Ultimate Edition. That, that, was, that was a pretty big step. Um, what did that even do? I don't I I it did it. graphics, but it also did some stuff with multiplayer. It did a bunch of, like, little things. Um, and I, if I remember right, it brought some of the movement and shit from the later ones that felt stodgy in that oh, first, okay. you know, that cool. kind of stuff. Um, you know, where it sort of slickens things up a little bit, and you're like, yeah. okay. It would be almost like remastering Mass Effect 1 and saying, okay, the combat for some people is a little janky, so let's make this a little smoother. Mm -hmm. Um but I think that we don't see that most of the time with remasters because it's pretty difficult to jump into a game and tear out its code and yeah. go, you know, we're going to fucking add a minimap. That's why I was so excited for Borderlands because I find those kind of remasters, I mean, pretty cool. I don't mind graphical remasters if they include texture packs and stuff uh, alone, but it's always nice to have somebody say, hey, shit, minimaps. 
Yeah. What the fuck? Like, like actually improving the base game. Yeah, or four player split screen on number one for co for couch. Like yeah. that's insane. That's now, awesome. unfortunately, only on consoles. I found that out too. It's not on the PC version, mm. but long story short, I think um, this is probably the best example. Borderlands is probably the best example, even though I haven't played it, just from hearing people and, and looking at so the checkboxes. It, it got me thinking of how these remasters can be taken a step forward. I, I'd love to see Xbox original game, Death Row, get a remaster or a re-release of some kind, because that game fucking rules. Have you? I don't played? even... I, I don't, I'm, I'm absolutely it, sure it I have, is, but I have not it is no a game that was published, I think, by Ubisoft. And back when their rainbow was, or their rainbow, their logo was a, a silver box with that's a Ubisoft, and it was like a rainbow behind uh -huh. it, like that old. Um, it was a game where it was four versus four. You played on a team, um, and obviously the game was called Death Row that you played. And what happened was you'd grab a disc, and on both ends of this arena were these circular. Uh, almost like portals that you try to throw the disc in by pressing the B button. And you could do like jump shots. You could do one timers where you pass it to your friend and then he hits B immediately and they throw it right away. And it, it comes in a little faster and the goalie tries to stop it. And mind mm. you, these, these rings that you throw them into are, are the size of your head. Like they're very small. So it, it feels good when you get it in. But on top of that, it's a fighting game. So while you're running around this, this arena, you can beat the fucking shit out of people who are trying to grab the disc. And I'm talking like really good combat. Like there's grappling, there's fists, there's there's uh, kicks, and then you can mix those mm. for combos. You can taunt. So if I if you press black, bl the black button, I don't know what it translates to on on the, the 360 controller and so on. I want to say it's RB. But uh, when you press that, uh, you, you can taunt someone. And in this game, it's very raunchy. It's very crude. So they'll just say like, hey, fuck you, asshole, like that. And you'll flip them off. Mm. And they'll register that, and they'll come over, and you'll fight them. And it's uh, as you progress in this career with the team you've made, you can make signings, so you can bring people onto your team. You can sign sponsorship offers, so oh, you can cool. get money for more signings. You can play teams for special deals. You can get upgrades and level characters up. It is such a fucking cool game. It is it is excellent, and I would love it. Would thrive nowadays. I know it would thrive nowadays. It's one of those games that was like. I think ahead of its time is an understatement. This, this game time traveled to this year and was like, this would fit now. Let's do it back then. Uh, oh, cool. It, it, yeah, no, I'm, I guess I haven't played it. You would, I up. think you would actually dig it. It, it. And it's a game that I think even when you watch, I played it on my channel. Uh, even if you look at it, you might go, cool. But when you play it, it's it's the music, it's the, the combat, yeah. it's the raunchiness of it. Uh, it really exceptional and, and fun game. But um, that is all we've got for this episode, ladies and gentlemen. It has been a jam-packed ham radio podcast, and we hope you all enjoyed. As always. Yes, it always is. Oh, at least five topics every week. Um, we hope <laughs> you guys enjoyed, though. Um, thank you so much for supporting the show, and we will catch you guys next week in episode 198. Peace out. Peace out.